I have to share with you all um, a lesson that I have learned over the years. Kind of, it's been kind of a painful lesson uh, for myself. Maybe some of you have learned it, but on the off chance that not all of you have, I need to share it with you today. And that is, not everything is about you. <laughs> you guys know, yeah. Is it a, but sometimes we, we are very good at making everything about me, right? Uh, maybe you're having a conversation with someone, uh, perhaps your spouse or something, and maybe they're upset about something and they're just venting to you. Uh, and maybe you begin to get defensive and you say, well, it's not my fault. You know, well, we weren't even talking about you. I didn't have a problem with you. Uh, maybe I do now. Other times we might be in a conversation with someone else and uh, you know, the other person is telling a story. And you're, the whole time that they're telling the story, you're just thinking, Gee, I can't wait till this one is over. I'm, I'm just can't wait to tell my story. It's funnier, it's more exciting, it's more interesting, and that's all you're thinking about. It's just what you're gonna tell next. You know, never happened to anyone else. No. Sometimes, uh, does this ever happen when we're reading the Bible? Even do we make the Bible all about ourselves? Ooh, God forbid. But yes, we do sometimes. We're so uh, the world revolves around us, does it not? And so we are always thinking, what what is this about? Me And so when we approach the parable of the sower, which we just read a couple of minutes ago from Matthew chapter 13, I think that this happens sometimes. This is uh, what, I would, what I would say is the biggest pitfall when reading this parable is making it all about me. Okay, so be honest now. When I was reading this and we were listing off the, different, the four different kinds of soil, you were probably thinking, ooh, I wonder which one I am. It's got to be about me, right? And, and so we're asking these questions like, oh, how do I know which one is me? Oh, what if I'm one of the first three ones? What if I'm one of the bad kinds of soil? How do I know if I'm the good kind of soil? How can I test that? What if I'm one of the bad kinds? How could I become one of the good kinds? And so we're thinking all these thoughts. I've thought these over the years. This is the wrong way to, uh, to hear and to understand the parable of the sower. Sometimes we, we just make it all about ourselves. So I'm gonna tell us, I'm gonna tell you guys today that the best way to read this parable is to focus on the sower, okay? Now there'll be some time to think about ourselves, but first we have to think about the sower. And so whenever Jesus tells a parable, he uh, has connections, you know, it's, it's a made up story that he's telling, but it has real life connections. And so you're, you're probably thinking, well, what does the sower equal? What does the uh, soil equal? What does the seed equal? So pop quiz, who is the sower? Jesus. Oh, you guys are much smarter than the 830 crowd. Um, yeah, Jesus is the sower. Don't tell them. Yeah. Um, who's the soil? So now you're afraid to say us. Yeah, <laughs> it is you. <laughs> it is us. We are the soil. What about the seed that the sower is throwing all over the place? What's that? The word. Oh, you guys are great. Yeah. Um, you guys have heard this one before. Yeah. So Jesus is the sower. We are the soil. And the word of God is the seed. And so whenever, so when Jesus is telling a parable, um, kind of the very nature of a parable is that it is just kind of a, a pretty common Story. It would be very relatable, easy to understand and digest uh, for the common people. Now, and so you see, when Jesus tells parables, a lot of times they have uh, an agricultural um, trend to them because that would have been very common for the people 2,000 years ago. 
Um, for us, we might have to dig a little bit deeper on those things. But there's, sometimes it's just a very common ho-hum story, but there's always at least one strange and surprising detail that Jesus tells that kind of raises your eyebrow a little bit. Maybe lulls you into a false sense of security, then he drops something and you're like, wait, what? What did he say? This seemed real normal and now my interest is piqued. I'm confused. What is going on? So the strange and surprising detail in this story about the sower is the activity of the sower himself. Okay? Now, a farmer doesn't just have like unlimited amounts of seed to be sowing, right? It's a precious commodity. There's a finite amount. But this sower is very strange. Why is he, you know, most sowers, they, they would only throw the seed in, in a place where they were confident that it would actually yield growth. So they would say, well, I'm not going to throw any on the sidewalk. I'm not going to throw any where all the thorns are. I'm not going to throw the shallow ground. There's the good soil. I'm just going to throw it all over there. Why would you not, right? This sower is just, it's almost like he's torn a bag open and he's just doing a 360, spinning around, throwing it. It's like he doesn't even care where it's going. And so that's where when we hear this, we kind of latch onto this strange and surprising detail and we start to ask questions like, is, does he just have bad aim? You know, does, did he flunk farmer school? Did he not pay attention to what you're supposed to do with the seed? So you're, you're kind of getting hung up on this and I think you're supposed to. If you're only focusing on yourself and what kind of soil you are, you're gonna miss this. But if you're focusing on the strangeness of the sower, now we're getting somewhere and we're gonna see what Jesus would have us see here from this, as I like to affectionately call him, this strange, wasteful sower. Jesus knows I'm saying wasteful tongue in cheek and we'll get to that. But what can we learn as Jesus tells this kind of wacky story about this sower? What are we supposed to learn? Well, I'm gonna say he's, he's gonna teach us some things about his kingdom, about his word, about his uh, gracious care for us here in this life. And it's all grounded in that just strange character of the sower. So what, what can we learn? Our first lesson is this. God's word does not bear fruit in every person who hears it. I don't like that one very much. God's word does not bear fruit in every person who hears it. So on one hand, we're thinking, wow, I've been told how powerful the word of God is my whole life. And then, and yet Jesus tells a story that not everyone is receiving the word. And so I think that, that checks out, right, with our own experience, whether we have tried to share God's word with someone and it has borne no fruit yet, or maybe we're even thinking about our own life. Maybe there's been parts of our own life, maybe uh, our younger years when we were receiving the word of God and, and it wasn't growing. It wasn't bearing any fruit until later on. So we, we can have a, uh, a comprehension that this does occur. But then we have this Old Testament reading from Isaiah that I want to reread uh, just a portion of here. This is talking about how powerful the word of God is. Uh, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So apparently God's word works all the time. 
except for when it doesn't is what Jesus is telling us here. And we're kind of caught in the middle and we're getting like pulled in both directions. How do we reconcile that? Well, there's some things that we, with our limited brains, cannot reconcile, but we need to explore and see what's going on here. And so Jesus, uh, so th- this is really what Jesus is teaching. You know, God's word is powerful and it is effective and yet it is in some way resistible. So let's look at the context in which Jesus tells this story. I always think that if you open your Bible to a random place, Matthew chapter 13, we should look at what comes before it and what comes after it. Kind of helps us get our bearings about what's going on. So if we look at the Gospel of Matthew, this is telling the whole story of Jesus' life. Um, This is what we've been reading a little bit at a time each week this whole summer. And we have seen some really successful endeavors by Jesus and his disciples um, early, like in the first half of the book. So I want to just kind of read the headlines from the first few chapters of Matthew and share them with you just to show show how popular Jesus is, how effective it seems like everywhere he's throwing the seed, it is growing up, okay? So chapters five through seven, he preaches a dynamite sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Then chapters eight and following, he's healing people all over the place. He's cleansing a leper. He's healing blind men. He's healing a paralytic. He, He raises a girl from the dead He heals a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. He calms a storm. He casts out demons. And then after all of this, he sends his disciples out, town by town, and they're doing the same things as as an extension of his own ministry. This is awesome. He's the greatest prophet anyone's ever seen until chapter 11. And then John the Baptist, uh, he's in prison by this point. That's that's, That's already kind of a bad sign, right? That seems weird if... The, the hype man for Jesus, this great prophet is now in prison and now he's sending out messengers to find out, hey, Jesus, are you really the guy? Are you the savior? So there's some doubt there. A little bit of uh, tarnish of his reputation perhaps. Then we find out that three of the big cities that Jesus has gone to have rejected him. He's spread the word and there hasn't been growth. Then the Pharisees come and they really start to become his enemies because he's healing people on the Sabbath, he's breaking their laws, and now they want to destroy him. And uh, not only are they plotting to destroy him, they're also doing a smear campaign out and about. They're saying, well, Jesus can only do these amazing things because he is tapping into the power of the devil. That's how he's doing it. He's on Satan's team. So we've had some really awesome things and now we're stacking up some really negative things. And so you can, you can understand that the disciples, the followers of Jesus would be thinking, is this the right guy? Maybe they're kind of confused. Like, Jesus, uh, did he peak too early? Is it all gonna be downhill from here? Is, is he not the savior? Is he not the Messiah? And so into this environment, where things were going great and now things are not going so great. Some are believing and some are rejecting. Jesus decides to tell this story, the parable of the sower. Because this is the reality and it's confusing, but Jesus just says, yep, this is the way that it is. My word goes out and it is effective, but it is resistible. And that kind of boggles our mind that people, that human beings could reject and resist the word of God. And yet, it is true. This is kind of a a troubling lesson from this parable. But Jesus is going to give us two more lessons, and I promise those are a lot better news 
And there are some comforting and actionable items for us as we learn from this strange, wasteful sower, Jesus. The next lesson that we have, the threats that Jesus mentions in this parable are real and they are all around us. Okay, what does he mention? So when, when he gives the description then of the four different kinds of soil, the first three, each one, there is a threat. There is something, there's a danger that actually prevents the word of God from growing in that type of soil. And so Jesus, um, Jesus says the, the first one, the first threat to us is Satan himself. He says the evil one comes and snatches the word away. That's terrifying to think about, isn't it? Then he says that another example is uh, persecution that might arise on account of the word. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Opposition for followers of Jesus causes some to fall away. When the times get tough, maybe you think, I thought this Jesus following business was gonna be a little easier, a little more successful all the time. It's not, maybe I'm just gonna be out. That happens. And then the last thing Jesus says, last threat is, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So there are threats all around us and yet Jesus gives us a good word that by his grace, we hear the word and we understand it and we believe in him and we bear fruit. And so this is, we love this message of Jesus because he is saying, he's talking to you, he's talking to his people, he's saying, when you hear this parable, you do not have to be wondering and worrying, which one of the four soil types am I? Because it's not, it's not up to you to like make yourself into good soil, right? It is up to you to just recognize now the words of Jesus, to realize that you are the good soil by his grace and to just rejoice that he has given growth, that he has given faith to you and you are now, you are bearing fruit. That's the wonderful news for us. We don't have to get hung up on which soil type am I. That's why we can just focus on the sower and see what he's up to and how we can join him. And that leads us to that final lesson that he gives to us today, and that is God sows his word with inefficient, reckless abandon. I didn't know how else to describe it. Inefficient, that's, he's throwing it everywhere, right? Reckless abandon. It seems to have no worry that he's throwing it in the strangest places, the places that are the least likely to have the growth. You know, if, if some farmer consultant would see Jesus doing this, they would say, you're wasting so much seed, man. Why are you doing that? Just throw it where there's the most likelihood of growth. And Jesus says, nah, I'm not gonna do that. I've got my own way of growing things. So sometimes in life, you know, we, we might see uh, something that is growing where it really shouldn't be. By all logic, it should not be growing there. So I want you, I want you just to imagine that you're following this sower around because he's caught your eye with this strange, wasteful behavior. You're thinking, I'm gonna follow this guy and see what he's up to. So you're following Jesus. He's throwing it on the sidewalk. He's throwing it among the thorns, throwing it among the rocks. Sometimes he throws it over there by the good soil. And he's walking and he gets to this, uh, this old abandoned parking lot. There's cracks everywhere, it's in disrepair. And you're thinking, surely he's not gonna throw anything over here. Surely this, the, this is the boundary where he's not. And yet he's throwing stuff over there even. 
And so you're walking, and you see, yeah, you see a bunch of stuff, you know, in the cracks. We see this, right? Weeds are growing out of the cracks and everything, yeah. But then your eye catches something kind of over there, and you're like, there's no way. What is that over there? And so you, you walk over there, and you see it's a flower. Somehow, against all odds, a beautiful flower has grown up out of the crack of this old parking lot. And Jesus is like, yep, that happens sometimes. And that's why he just keeps, so he keeps sowing the seed. And so I, I want us to think about one person, one, one person in whose life there was unlikely, like kind of just miraculous growth as Jesus is sowing. So there, you guys know, um, you guys know about tax collectors, right? You've probably been to church enough to know that when I say tax collector, you're supposed to boo, right? Okay, so they're, they're the bad guys, right? They're the crooks, they're, they're wicked, they're stealing from people. So Jesus strolls up to a tax collector at one point in, in this gospel of Matthew, and he says, follow me. Now, people would have rushed over to Jesus and said, don't, wor don't throw any seed over here. There's no way there's gonna be any growth here. You know, it's kind of like a, don't waste your breath on this guy. There's no way he's gonna change. Just keep walking. There's, there's some people over here that are a little closer. They're, they're living life pretty good. They, they could just need a little nudge. Don't worry about this tax collector. And what happens with the tax collector? He leaves the tax booth and he starts following Jesus. He believes. His life is transformed. That's the guy who wrote the book. That's Matthew. So Matthew, the most unlikely guy to receive the word and to hear and understand and believe and bear fruit, this guy writes one of the books. You know, his, his, his life is transformed. And he, he writes one of the books that has helped transform my life and your life. As he gives this whole message about forgiveness and new life and hope in Jesus Christ. And, and, we've, and we're reading this guy's words week after week. This is a guy that most of us would have said, don't bother with him. Nothing's gonna grow in his heart from the word. And Jesus said, oh yeah, just watch. That strange, wasteful sower Jesus. And so what are we supposed to do then, knowing all of this? We are the ones, you know, other people could have said the same about us, right? Don't bother with them. Don't throw any seed over in their direction. They're probably hopeless. They could have said the same about us. Jesus didn't care, though. He still shares his word with us. Our lives have been transformed. We hear, and we understand, and we believe, and now we, focusing on the sower, we're thinking, how can I follow this guy around? His his behavior is so strange in this world, but how can I be like him and give that same message of love and forgiveness and reconciliation with God by the death and resurrection of Jesus? How can I, that, that message that has changed my life, how can I share that so that other people can grow and know Jesus too? And so I, I've, been, I've been thinking about this, you know, as we've been identifying some people in our lives, like our neighbors or coworkers or other people that, like, oh, I want them to know Jesus. They don't know Jesus yet. I want them to know Jesus. And so I think sometimes we might fall into the temptation of, of thinking, you know what, let's be more efficient with the way that we share Jesus with people. Let's only focus on the people that we think have a better chance 
of knowing Jesus. So I'm like looking up and down my street. I'm like, well, you know, most of these people I probably shouldn't even waste my time on, right? Maybe the people four houses down, maybe they've got like a, like a better chance, but the rest of them, why bother? Why waste your breath? But what, what example does Jesus show? He's just flinging the seed everywhere. I, just, I have this image of Jesus. It's like he's got, he's got a bag of seed, he rips it open, and he just throws it everywhere. You know, even, again, in the places we wouldn't. And then he just goes back to the barn, and, and you're kind of just peeking in, like, wow. There's bag after, there's like unlimited supply. That's the thing with the word of God. There is an unlimited supply. You can be liberal with it. You can just throw it all over. That's what Jesus is doing. Throw it all over. If it doesn't, if, it, if you've thrown it over here 17 times and it still hasn't given any growth, who cares? Throw it an 18th time. Let Jesus work it out. This is the exciting thing. As we, we know the power of God's word and we know that all we got to do is just sow the seed and let Jesus do the rest. This is what he's inviting us into. He says, yeah, I'm that strange, wasteful sower. Why don't you, why don't you come and cast the seed along with me? And that's, that's my prayer for us, is that we will do that, that we will focus on the sower, get to know him and his activity, and that we will share that love and that message of Jesus all around us with everyone indiscriminately and just rest in the power of Jesus in his work and in his word. May, may God give growth as we follow him and sow his word with reckless abandon like Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this story. And thank you for your example of sowing the seed, the gospel message all around. Give us a heart for all around us. Help us to share you, to give our testimony of your work in our life, and to share that saving message with everyone. We pray this all in Jesus' name.